0: Welcome back, nerds, to the Game of Nerds podcast, where there's no shame in having an unhealthy obsession with a fandom. I'm your host, Shannon, and on today's episode, we're talking all about the world of furries with our resident furry expert, Nicholas Leonard. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right, yeah. Kind of hanging in there.
0: (laughs) I know things are crazy, and with no conventions and nowhere to go, it seems kind of hard for furries and cosplay artists and nerds in general to just get out and do their thing right
1: yeah that really sucks too because like um i was looking forward to going to like conventions last year there's like a metric ton of furry conventions that happen like there's a friend of mine like when when con season was was going on he was going to something like every three two two or three months and i'm like the hell but um, yeah, it sucks because it's like the the you know pandemic's going on. There's no cons going on, and like I'm doing rideshare for a living, so and making enough money to pay my bills, and so that'd be an ideal setup, except there's a pandemic going on. So yeah.
0: So content creation becomes really hard when you don't have these big events where you can like meet together with other creators. Cause like, especially I, 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 assume that doing furries at conventions, you still need the photographer. You still need the settings. You still need all these other artists to come together to make these perfect content photos, to go on websites and Instagram and you know, whatnot. Oh yeah.
1: No, yeah, definitely. Like there is a, uh, when I was looking up things to talk about for the, for the podcast, I remember there's a group of fursuiters there. They're four RK nine fursuiters and they're called they're They're at Paco nines on Twitter. And I was like, are they even doing anything? Because their whole shtick was going to conventions and interacting with people. Cause like their whole thing is they're supposed to be arcanine nine, clones. So it was like their whole thing. And it's like, well, there's no cons and there's probably no, if there's any events in a local area, they're probably small, little tiny things. So it's like, you know, there goes that whole thing. I mean, yeah, you could redo old content, repost old content, but that's, I feel like will only get you so far.
0: With no conventions, this takes to, to our first question. What have you been binging? What's, what have you been obsessing about recently?
1: Well, the thing is I was never really like a convention person to begin with. Cause like I was a retail guy, so good luck getting time off. That was at least how yeah. I saw it. Um, but like I would go to events and stuff like that, and yeah, that that sucks that there's nothing of that nature going on. Um, I've kind of just been doing various things. Like um, the past couple days, it's not furry, but there's a Goldeneye. Uh, did you hear about that? The Goldeneye, the Goldeneye remake that got leaked.
0: Yes, I did. Yeah,
1: so I've been playing that, and I'm like, this is hard with a controller, because I was using a modified version of a 64 emulator on the computer that lets you use a mouse, okay. so yeah. I'm like running around, Ah, oh, this is easy, and now I'm playing on the controller, I'm like, oh my god, this is hard. <laughs> this is different with a controller.
0: See, I... I don't know if you knew, but my husband conned me into a PlayStation Five. He goes, "Honey, honey, they're gonna have a Harry Potter game. You, we have to get it." So, of course, I got him for Christmas. Nobody told me that the game wasn't out, and now I oh, find out no. that the game got pushed back. And I'm like, I just got conned into a gaming system, and the game I don't, I want to play, isn't even available. So,
1: That's
0: <laughs> yeah. But this episode is not about video gaming. This episode is all about furries. To give listeners a bit of background here, when I started the game of nerds seven years ago, I had heard of furries, but I didn't understand furries. It wasn't until you messaged me in 2017 with the Best pitch I have ever received, still to this date, stating why you need to be on staff, why we needed to have furry content, how you were about to show everyone the positive side of the furry fandom. You are the reason why we have furry content on the Game of Nerds. And since then, you've really created an amazing little home for furries here. I get so many emails saying, Wow, this is so cool. I didn't know this. Thanks for showcasing my work. I didn't think anyone was noticing. Even our own staff uses you as the number one example of the how this website works like hey i knew nothing about this topic or i had a different opinion about this topic but now i know everything because nicholas who's part of the game of nerds taught us so thank you for all that you've done and how you've added to the game of nerds you're welcome (laughs) for those who are new or may not have any idea what the hell we are even talking about can you explain the furry fandom or even what a furry is to our listeners
1: furry fandom the, the, this, is, this is how i usually would explain it to like norm like non-furries um because like we'd be at like events and inevitably a parent is going to come up and be like what's that going on over there with the animal characters so the way i explain it is you know how we have science fiction fantasy and like you know sometimes you get like comic book and star trek and all that people yeah we're like yeah. that except animal characters oh okay that's that's usually how i explain it some people will go into like all the nukes and crannies of it and i'm just like we're we're just a bunch of people that like animal characters that's basically it um i mean there's people who ask like how much do you have to like before you're furry and i've always been like well if you just like dragons because you think they're cool i don't think you have to consider yourself a furry i've always been kind of (laughs) like Hey, if you want to join the fandom and and whatnot at that point, yeah, you call yourself a furry. And then as far as like what furry is, like how do you define it? That depends. There's like two, there's two prominent camps I found when it comes to this. And there's the camp that I'm part of, and it's like, if there's a lot of animals or the animals are the focus of it, and it's not made by furries, it can still be furry. So something like Redwall, that's all about, like, woodland animals going on adventures or Lion King or Kimbo or uh, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. Those could be considered as furry because those have animal characters in it. And some other people um, use a different definition, and it's if it's made by furries, then it's called furry. So, like, a furry game would be something actually created by a furry, which I kind of like the first definition but i kind of get that second one because it's a it's a categorization thing because saying well that's a furry game well i mean it wasn't made by a furry but you know it has animals it, so it's like you know
0: so it's basically it's just narrowing down a fandom and can it almost be considered gatekeeping of a fandom would you say like oh well if it's not made by a furry or whatnot then it's not furry Um, I kind of like the first definition. Like you say, it kind of opens up a lot of doors. Um, You know, when we first started talking about uh, furries, you know, the whole Disney aspect and the animal uh, concept that you brought to light was like a mind-blowing thing for me. Um, And it just made me want to learn more about it because I didn't think like even things like Disney and Zootopia, like ones I love and I watch with my daughter are considered within the furry fandom.
1: Oh yeah. Like it's even like a lot of people even say like, Oh yeah, it was Robin, you know, Robin Hood got me into the fandom or whatever. Yeah. Like that was how I, uh, that's how, yeah, that's how it was for me growing up. A lot of Disney movies and then playing things like Sonic the Hedgehog and Echo the Dolphin. And, Mm -hmm. um, which I simultaneously love and hate at the same time. Um...
0: But just saying Sonic the Hedgehog blows my mind. Like, I never thought of Sonic being considered part of the furry fandom. Like, that's amazing to me. You've always stated that, you know... sometimes people get a negative reaction when they say furries because they don't know or they don't understand but then when you say things well oh disney and robin hood are considered furry you've got a lot of people probably sitting here questioning are am i in the furry fandom
1: yeah i mean yeah that's why that's why like when i talk to people about like at events that aren't furries and are like wondering what it is that's why i make that connection to like comic book conventions or whatever because then it, it creates something that they can kind of get. They're like, okay, these guys are like the Lord of the Rains nerds, except they just like animal characters. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Can you give me a little background on the history of furries?
1: From what I've dug up, it kind of started off as a bit of an offshoot of the science fiction fandom, which kind of makes sense in retrospect, because talking animal characters. Um, and I guess like what was going on is, you know, people in the 80s were starting to come together at conventions, and people just started to gravitate towards the subgenre of you know a- animal and science animals of science fiction stories and then you had uh i think fanzines as early as 1983 started using the term furry fandom itself and then it kind of just like snowballed from there you did have like some early people like um i forgot his name i know there's there's rodney and his mate and i forgot the name of his mate apologies um but they were 2 they're like two. They're, they're, like, they're old enough to be my grandparents. Um, They're what we refer to as gray muscles. Gray muscles is a term referring to older members of the fandom, but they were kind of like one of the big early people to kind of like put things together and put events together and get things rolling and it kind of just snowballed from there. I think part of the reason why we're starting to see more people do furry or get into it is because um, social media and the internet kind of just make it easier for people to get their voices out there and for it to be seen. And I think it's slowly starting to kind of be more accepted by the mainstream they're kind of starting to get it a little bit more
0: when we first talked about furries and cosplay i said oh i don't want to offend anyone by saying oh is furry like cosplaying or do you guys take offense by saying and you said oh no 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 no." does everyone have that same opinion about it not that it being about cosplay or is that just your opinion?
1: I think that's just like my opinion, man. But um, one of my roommates referenced that earlier. That's just your opinion, man. But um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I haven't really heard a lot of furries, like link, fur shooting the cosplaying. Okay. Um, uh, I kind of didn't really do it that much either until I was like rewriting headlines for my furry articles, and I was like, these are basically like cosplaying. In a sense, because it's like, you know, you go and you do you, you make your fursona and then a lot of people's fursuits are based off of the character, the fursona that they make. Like my Nico suit is based off of the Nico character that I made. Okay. And then um, you can get people who fursuit as actual licensed characters. Uh, the voice actor, Sean Chiplock, who's also a furry, okay. My ad, add. Um, he has a Rivali suit from the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, okay. The pack of nines that I mentioned earlier, they're Arcanine, you know, fursuiters. I forgot his name. it was like Alex Kid or something like that on Twitter, and he first suits as Azrael from Undertale. So I, I kind of view it as cosplaying. Okay. I've never had anybody like be like, "Hey, that's not right," but it, it, I think it's kind of like just like it just makes sense to me, really.
0: What? would it take to make a furry cosplay because i've seen some some um fursuits where you have a full-on fursuit some of it's just mask and you guys have regular clothes are there specific set rules is there a handbook somewhere
1: there i don't really think there is i mean there used to be like a big thing against what's called breaking the magic and that's pulling your fursuit head off okay when you're in public because there's like like in conventions, they'd set up like headless lounges where you can go, take your suit off, and relax. Cool. I totally chuck the magic thing. I chucked did break the magic thing out the window because like I would go karaoke at like a couple bars in Long Beach, and like as soon as I got off stage and got back to my table, I would just pull the thing off because I'd be I'd be hot because yeah. like I get into it. So it's like, but um yeah, there's I mean there's different kinds of like fursuit configurations, I guess you could say. Okay. Like um, what I have with Nico is what's called a mini partial. So it's just the head, the hands, the tail, sometimes the feet. Okay. Then you got a partial, which is all that. And then you have arms added. And I think sometimes they'll do legs as well. And then there's the full suit, which is like the full on, like the whole nine yards. And I think any one of those really could be cosplay. Because it just depends on how you want to do your character. Like I got Nico as a partial suit. One, yes, because I'm cheap. But two, also... Because I wanted to wear different outfits as a character, and trying to buy, you know, trying to wear clothing on top of a fursuit is tricky because you have to get your clothes fitted for
0: that suit. That, yeah, that
1: suit. And it adds adds more.
0: uh, And it, it tailoring and all these kind of things and creating these things takes money, and it's not like I. I assume you guys have to buy out, like any other cosplay artist, uh, buying a cosplay suit to match the superhero. You guys have to find people who will build these suits for you, and those people are obviously very talented. Um, or is there some? Are you guys all making your own suits and?
1: It depends. Some people, okay. like, will learn how to build their own suits. Uh, m- most furries will go through for suit makers, and there's, like, a jillion of them. There's, like, a whole bunch um, out there. If there are all different styles and price tags, and it runs the gamut between, like, something that left out of the Saturday morning cartoon box to, like, super realistic style. Okay. So it kind of just depends on, like, what you want for your character, how you want them portrayed and all that jazz pretty much.
0: And I'm assuming just like any other, uh, you know, like I'm cosplaying is going to be my example here. It's not cheap. Um, I, my husband cosplays the Funko pop boxes and those are not cheap to make and to hunt down all the replica little pieces and the wigs and his always, his rule is no masks. He can't handle it because he goes, it's so hot. Like when he's in the boxes. Um, so I can only imagine how hot you guys are in with a full on, you know, head. And then, you know, if you had a full suit in the middle of July at SDCC, like that's, that's just insane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it, it can be. I mean, I have, like, shoot, I wear a mini partial. And then, like, when I am out, like, doing karaoke at clubs, you know, I wear, uh, I call it the club outfit. So it's wearing shorts, short shorts, and a fishnet top. And I still am like, oh, my God, I'm so hot in this thing. Yeah. They can be pretty expensive. So I, I pulled up on here. On My end, the Fuzz Factory, which they make actually some really nice, uh, really nice suits. They're, they're one of the more well known makers, so so I guess we could play a little game here. So, for a partial, which is going to be for them, it's going to be the head, okay, arms, hands, tail, and feet. Give me a give me a guesstimate.
0: I okay, because I know cosplay and how much some of these like pieces can run, I'm going to say probably 800 or more.
1: Uh, for this particular maker, you're looking at 3500 at least.
0: <gasps> Holy. F-
1: now, now there are makers that make suits cheaper. Like my Nico Mini Partial was like 700 and something. But like Fuzz Factory is like they they've blown up in popularity in the past few years, but
0: we talk about this all the time in the cosplay chat room about how certain items are just really expensive if you want them done right. A great example is superhero suits that's not to say that if you choose a cheaper option that they aren't as worthy or good enough it's just that these things take time to create and certain materials i would assume that this is where most of the cost is coming from the fur material and the stitching of all these pieces together
1: oh yeah I, i'd imagine it's it's a combination of both so okay. uh, of that it's a combination of yes they're they're good at what they do it's high quality and then also just demand like okay. making a fursuit takes forever um not forever but like nico took i ordered him in february of 20 some odd okay i had him by the time i did teach and i believe so i think i've had him yeah you've
0: had like him 20, as long you've had girl. him as long as you've been with me so yeah and you started in 2017
1: and so he wasn't ready till like october so okay. i mean granted that maker had like a few in their queue already so like, that's, it's a very big process. And for like doing something like a full suit, even more so, and there's more steps involved into it. Like usually you'll, they'll do, you either have to give them good measurements or you have to make what's called a duct tape dummy, where it's basically just like a, a dummy made out of duct tape of your body. So they know what measurements to make. To and use. To do yeah. It.
0: Oh my gosh. And then you have to think about it. Okay. I've got to stay this size for you know the whole year as it's being made uh, like I yeah. can only imagine the level of stress I'm sure that website that we were just talking about it's like I could go on there today order it and it'll be at my house I'm sure like oh, they're made to order ship ready to go like if I wanted to join the furry fandom tomorrow okay but when you want them personalize and stuff like that do you like E- interview all these first suit people and find out a who has the availability and b who matches your idea of what you want the first suit to be oh that
1: when i quoted that price earlier that's for that's for a made to order so first okay. builders like first companies will often make them to order uh there are some makers that will sell pre-made suits which you can go and buy um but most makers are in the business of just like building people's characters. So, like, when I got Nico done, I didn't, oh, they have this Blue Rabbit for sale. I'm going to buy that. It's not like, uh I'm probably going to date myself by saying this, it's not like Avatar shopping in Second Life. Yeah. Where like you walk around and you go, that one looks cute. I want that. Which is, that's actually how I got Nico, fun fun fact. I was trying to figure out, like, what to make him. Yeah. Because I was using characters I had at the time as my fursona. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to Second Life and, like, walk around and find a Ra- a, a, not even a rabbit avatar just like a a, a a animal avatar i like and i was like blue rabbit i like the way this looks it's cute i'm a blue bunny now but i um, love that anyways.
0: story now it's, saying that you guys do people change their persona often like is it like cosplay where you choose different characters often or is do people just kind of stick with one person and you're just the, you're that persona for life like otp
1: it depends depends. i mean some people will like stick with their character like i've had nico as my as my main guy for years okay um some people will will change them up they might put out a new design or they might change some things on them some people might get new characters completely okay it's it's a really big, it just depends on the person kind of thing.
0: Okay. Now, do you guys keep your uh, fursonas or is there like some eBay site where you get like old, you know, furry costumes are being exchanged so that they have a new life?
1: Oh, yeah. There's actually, I think, is it the dealer's den or is it Furby, I think, are a couple sites people can go to. Okay. And of course, you can always do private selling. So that's also not unheard of. Oh, okay. Um, so like my my, my fanboy alter ego Matthias wasn't even my character originally one of my friends was like i'm leaving the fandom spoiler he came back later (laughs) Uh, that's a joke in the fandom is like you never leave the fandom; you always come back that's like funko
0: everyone's like oh i'm selling off my whole collection and then they're like oh but did you see this release and it's coming i've ordered it and you're like oh you weren't out
1: (laughs) you were never out it's 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 like hotel california you can you can check out but you can never leave um (laughs) yeah like my friend was selling like 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 the suit and i was like well i like that." buy them off of you and he's like okay so i bought the suit and i got the rights to the character and i mean he didn't have like official paperwork but like i basically own yeah. the character now and i kind of just made tweaks to him and stuff like
0: but you guys can like you can create almost kind of an arsenal of characters to be and use um that's that's pretty awesome and do all personas start as art Because I I, like the more and more I was digging through a lot of it is shown in these beautiful art, like furry artists are ridiculously talented.
1: Oh, yeah, they definitely are. Like, that's what I like about doing the furry art series is I've like discovered so many new artists. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And there's probably so many other artists that like I'm missing because I'm just one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they're going to start as like, I think, as like some kind of drawing. Or you might have people like me who are like, I'm going to build them on Second Life first or whatever. Okay. Because like jumping from concept to fursuit, I wouldn't be surprised if that's happened. But usually it's art first because it's cheaper, like a lot cheaper, you know, because you can shop around with artists and you can like go, oh, I like this artist and they're doing commissions and they're only charging $30 for a pencil sketch.
0: This is so cool to learn because once again, this is something I had no idea even existed. Like this whole underground kind of culture of all right i'm selling you this persona and people and i'm sure there are certain people who have like are known for what they do and like people go to them because they create the best i'm sure right
1: oh yeah like with fursuits for example uh going back to a uh, fuzz factory right they're really known for their fursuits and you've got like big for lack of a better word, brand names like uh, "Made for You," "More for Less," like there's big, huge names like that, and they're expensive too. But these guys are like, you know, they've been in it for years, and they're one of the more well-known names. Like it's like rolling up in a like Cadillac, you know. Instead, of, instead of going, "Is that a Cadillac?" they'll go, "Is that a More for Less suit?" <laughs> wow, how much did that cost you? Wow, when did you get? You know, yeah. it's like a, you know. It's, it's like a big thing. It's a
0: statement piece. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's not just art. I'm On the Game of Nerds, you've covered books, games. Furries is not just cosplay art. It's seeping into a lot of things we didn't realize. Can you kind of expand on that?
1: Yeah. furry is what I call an intersectional fandom because it's not tied to like one particular franchise. Like... You know, like for example, James Bond is stuck to James Bond. And yeah, there's people that appreciate all the old movies and stuff like that. But like, if they don't make any new movies or any new games, um, or if the people who hold the license are stubborn and won't let you release a remaster for Beloved 64 game, then, <laughs> you know, you're kind of just stuck, right? Yeah. You're kind of just stuck there. Go with Furry. It, 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 you know, animal characters are in like friggin' everything. They're in books, they're in movies, they're in TV shows, they're in board games, they're in, you know, Beer bottles, beer companies, alcohol companies will have little animals as their mascots. Like, it's so, like, you know, it's such a big thing, so it's like... You'll get a lot of furries that are just in the furry, but they're also in the gaming or they're also in the Magic the Gathering. Like I had a friend who played Magic and he's like, I'm going to build a cat people deck because furries.
0: Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it that way. The thought that Magic players can make a cat deck or a specific animal deck and that be furry related. That's just amazing and mind blowing. Now, when you first pitched to me in 2017, one of the things that you were big on doing was changing the way people looked at furries. The word furries had a negative association sometimes to it, and it kind of reminded me of the whole brony situation with My Little Pony, which is a rabbit hole I don't want to go down today. My point is, is I don't like people who diss what someone likes just because of the name of that fandom. Can you explain why furries have a bad rap, so to say, and what you're doing to change people's you
1: i think i think it comes from a couple of different things um from my personal experience like furries are a lovely bunch but they got a little bit to learn in terms of like how to act in public sometimes there's there's like story like every time a convention happens there's a story of somebody somebody did some stupid shit again yeah like um just you know uh, go to a furry convention and, and wait until how long it takes for an ambulance to pull up because somebody probably drank too much. Um, uh, and then like just other things too. Furries are very open with a lot of things. Um, that's kind of been my thing with like linking artists on the art series. I think I talked to you about this yeah. once where I'm like, should I link this Twitter? Cause like somebody's going to go here and they're going to see like boobies and things like that. And like, I don't want to be linking people to that, but it's like, I got to, you know, lead people to the artists um, so like a lot of frees are very
0: not safe open, for work,
1: not safe for work. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of, fur, there's a lot of like accounts where like you could follow, you could click on someone on Twitter and you're just like, Whoa, okay. Uh, that's the end of the internet for today. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's part of it. And like people go, Oh, that's animals. Oh, you're, you're, you're sexualizing animals. Ugh. And it's like, I can kind of get that, but I'm like, it's, it's just. It's just a drawing, really. It's just a thing.
0: I think what cracks me up about this whole situation is that we can talk about the Bridgington sex scenes till we're blue in the face but fornicating animals is where we draw the line like we won't we don't like I just don't get it I mean if it's not your cup of tea it's not your cup of tea I'm not saying it's my cup of tea Uh, but no one's forcing you to be like oh yeah I have to like furry content if you like it cool it is somebody's cup of tea I personally see it no different than liking raunchy fan fiction or you know things like that I mean if that's what you're into that's what you're into
1: yeah, I mean, I think that, like, that like, it's just, like, a, a thing that kind of does rattle people a little bit, because they'll be like, oh, well, that's an animal, and you're drawing them doing that, and that, people will read too much into it, and I'm just like, I mean, people sexualize, like, anything, that's just what people do, they'll be like, look at that alien from that movie, now here's an adult picture of it, it just, it just happens, like, <laughs>
0: So there was this documentary that came out the year before you started TGON called Fursona, and I know more furry content has come out since then. You've even done a piece on TGON about CNN's Suit special. Has these documentary and media press helped or hurt the fandom? Are people changing their minds about furries after seeing these kind of things?
1: I think so. I mean, I watched fursonas and I kind of I'd give it a 5 out of 10 with 5 being average. I kind of ripped off Angry Joe's rating scale because like, Fursona started off interestingly enough Interesting enough, kind of giving an insight into these things and then it turned into the we're going to crap on Uncle Kage for the next half of the movie. Uncle Kage is a well-known uh, furry. Um, he is the main guy behind Anthrocon, which used to be the biggest furry convention in the world until Midwest FurFest took over a couple years ago. So I was just kind of like, oh. And then some of the people I interviewed was just kind of like, I felt like the perspectives were a little lopsided. Like um, there's a character in there that was interviewed named, uh, I think it was diesel. And you never see him out of suit. He's always in fursuit. There is one shot where he's talking, but it's only from the neck down. And he talks about how, Oh, you know, you got to be, he talks about how he got into it and how he was always going to conventions. And eventually he tells his workplace and his workplace starts harassing him over what they found on the internet about how he was a furry and stuff like that. What he didn't tell you is what he was into, which led to him getting harassed
0: so really fursona wasn't a accurate or good representation of the furry fandom it was kind of like tiger king they started recording it fell into their lap and like okay i'm gonna run with it
1: yeah well i think it was put together by furries but it was just kind of like maybe they didn't really know much about that person they interviewed and then like the second half of it where they kind of just like yeah okay we get it uncle kage's full of himself so yeah. don't care i came to learn about fursonas um, but the Lisa Ling thing, I think that helped a lot because it was like, um, you know, this wasn't one of us making something. It was somebody else. It wasn't other, so to speak, doing it. Um, and I think it really showed like a lot of the more positive aspects of the fandom and how for a lot of people, it's more than just like, ah, oh, funny animal. It's, you know, um, I mentioned, and I mentioned this in my own, uh, article on fursuits. A lot of people can use these to deal with their own shit in yeah. life basically i know people personally and and LinkedIn did interview furries that, that brought this up and I, I can concur with her i've known furries personally that have straight up said because of their character because of their fursuit because of the activities in the fandom they got a little bit more out of their show they got a little bit more confident they kind of you know they kind of were able to make friends and and overcome things and find a, a community yeah. through dressing up like a giant cartoon animal who knew
0: well, you're wearing a mask as a furry, figurative and literally. You can hide behind that mask. No one knows who you are or all your problems. You get to escape. It's just like we've had writers who start out on the Game of Nerds as anonymous names and mystery avatars, and months later, it's their full name and their social media is attached. You have pride in your work and who you are. This alone is an amazing positive of the furry community. Are there more positives that you've seen?
1: It, it can be like a very friendly, it, it can honestly be a furry friendly community and any furries are listening to this are probably rolling their eyes going yeah right because twitter is it's twitter um and of course like drama happens in local communities and stuff like that but i mean when you have any group of people getting together any
0: fandom has shit's drama.
1: always going to yeah. happen <laughs> like my cut co- my, my my uh older sister even seemed to imply that there was some serious drama that goes down in the cosplay community so
0: yeah
1: like it's gonna happen i mean every
0: fandom has its shit It's just how much do you want to be involved with that shit? And we say there just comes a line where you're just like, all right, now you're just being unhealthy about this or there's no way we're going to change you. So, all right. That's what the block button is for. Thank God.
1: Yeah. And I think a big positive of the fandom, too, is that it's very inclusive of just like Anything that kind of diverges from the perceived norm, so to speak. Like, for example, uh, if you're part of like the LGBTQIA community, like fandom is really welcoming towards that because a lot of us are part of that. A lot of us will make characters that express that side of us. Like, you know, I joke about Matthias being like my alter ego fanboy, but I do really use the character to kind of explore a more feminine aspect of myself that I don't think Nico or any of my other characters can pull off because they've got their own quirks and personalities and whatnot. At the end of the day, it does kind of depend on the person. Like with me, I'll kind of do a little bit of it. Some people like they're just, oh, it's just a character I have, whatever, you know, but yeah, there's just a lot of like that going on and like, heck, you'll have people who will come out to the fandom before they come out to their own like close friends, because they know that we're not going to be like, Oh my God, what the hell this is this wrong? Here. We're going to be like, Hey, you know, cool. Awesome. They'll be supportive
0: and they, they do care. Yeah, that's it. So we spent a lot of time talking about this amazing community. Where can we find the furries? Where are you all hanging out? Obviously you have a home here at the game of nerds. That's a no brainer, but what other websites and other social medias are furries using to connect with each other on?
1: Uh we're kind of, everywhere when it comes to like the the big social media networks like tiktok and twitter and um youtube and all that stuff as far as like specific furry sites uh we do have fur affinity which is like an art gallery site Okay. i would recommend not turning the safe for work filter off unless you're <laughs> unless you want to be assaulted by random artwork yeah. of very varying kinds because i've seen things that pop up on like the what's new page where i'm just like I'm gonna, need yep. a minute. I'm gonna need a minute but uh you gotta be ready for <laughs> it like if you don't
0: have that filter on
1: <laughs> i think those are like i mean there's other little sites here and there like i've tried to come up like furry life online furry network people try to take their own crack at doing that and it kind of just yeah um and local communities usually will have their own like telegram chats for things and sometimes local communities might even have telegram chats for subsections like I'm in a North Las Vegas chat and then the general Las Vegas chat. And then there's like a West side Furries meetup Las Vegas. Like chat. you got
0: all these different messaging groups going for the different parts. Yeah. That's, that's cool though. Cause that just means more and more people um, and different people that, you know, you can interact with if you're on that side of town. And I'm sure once things kind of get back to normal, especially in Vegas, there's always people going in and out of Vegas. I'm sure that, that it, the, is the furry community more welcoming there? Because, I mean...
1: I haven't gotten that much experience with the Vegas okay. community aside from Telegram chats. Because I'm, I moved here in November of 2019. Oh, okay. that's right. And then I, I, I was kind of busy with work. And then, like, uh COVID happened. And then it's like, oh.
0: No what? events. There goes yeah. that. Oh, crap. Okay. Fingers crossed.
1: I mean, well, we do, we do kind of have a con in in nevada it's a biggest little fur con down in reno which is actually the largest convention i think which is remarkable because i remember hearing about them as far back as like 2013 and that 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 con's blown up it's at the uh sierra grand resort i believe hotel casino um vegas itself for some reason or another does not have its own furry convention there is well there's someone trying to start one there's corgi events and they run a bunch of different furry conventions they're trying to start an adult furry con called sin city mercon and i'm curious to see how that turns out because that's actually going to be the first 18 plus like dedicated 18 plus con that's been done for furry most of them are like all of them up until that point have been like family friendly is there like Like, a mega con
0: like if you are a furry and you were supposed to go to one con and it's the top con what Convention is that?
1: I would say either do it probably either be Anthrocon or Midwest Fur because Anthrocon was like that's that one's been around forever and was kind of like the biggest and one. And where's that here. one in? And then it, that one is in um yes Pittsburgh yeah AC AC is in Pittsburgh okay and MFF is in Rosemont Illinois. Okay.
0: So it's not like they're even in big cities. Like that's what surprises me. I was like I would expect, you know. Like I mean, not that Pittsburgh's is a small city by any means. Pittsburgh is a big city, but it's not like you know Austin, San Francisco, Vegas, like we were just talking. I mean, in comparison to Comic Cons, our Furry Cons, uh, do you have less of them?
1: So I got a I got a list of um of things here. So we have like we got Aquatifer. We have further confusion. Painted Desert FurCon. Uh, let's see here. No, Fertile, yeah, Equinox uh, Equinoxes in Canada, uh, Texas Furry Fiesta, Motor City FurCon, Golden State FurCon, Furry Weekend Atlanta, Biggest Little FurCon, Anthro Ohio AnthroCon, con Kineticon, Itty Bitty FurCon. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot. Like I wasn't joking when That's I said there's people crazy. I knew, and it's like every other in month they're going to a convention. I'm like,
0: how many? but that's what how and
1: that's just american cons but, like well i mean photo economics yeah. is in canada but, but
0: that's just like any of all the rest of us conventioners i mean ugh, my schedule pre covid was like every month we had something some event going on we we're traveling somewhere you know we we're prepping some box to go to some convention to cosplay so It just amazes me that there's so much because it's not like there's a lot of publicity. Once again, I feel like you guys aren't getting your due justice. And I'm hoping that this episode really kind of shines a light um, for more people to realize that the furry community is out there for everybody. So my kind of my last question for you would be if you are going to jump into the furry fandom or you want to know more about the furry fandom, where do you start?
1: that is a very good question because it's like starting one of those old RPG games. I don't tell you where to go and you're just like, what do I do now? Cause there's so many different things you can do. I mean, you can get involved on the different social media sites. You could like make an FA and start following artists and start talking to them on there. You could, um, dodge the drama on furry Twitter and start interacting with furries on free on the furry side of Twitter. Um, you could find telegram chats because there are publicly available telegram chats that you can search and get into and start talking to people about and whatnot. Um I mean that would be my first thing to suggest, I guess, would be to try to find like a group to just talk with to kind of um like kind of just meet people in. And I guess it just depends on like where you are like if you're in california for example southern california there's like two or three different like southern california telegram chats you can jump in and talk to people and a lot of us are very like how I am where we're like, Oh yeah, we'll tell you, we'll teach you about this and tell you about it and help you get started. Especially if someone says they're interested, it's like, Oh yeah, come over here. We're going to turn you into one of us.
0: Welcome. Here's Stick the cookies and we've got the muffins. Here you go. Welcome to the dark side.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. And of course, you know, you have a bunch of content on the game of nerds that kind of has given us ways to get in, whether that's art or books or games um do you have a favorite movie that like a favorite furry movie
1: uh until i make a Redwall movie that hopefully does don't <laughs> up. um i would have to say secret of NIM is okay. uh, i mean nem is like one Nim is one of my all-time favorite movies to begin with okay. but so it's kind of more like my favorite movie just happens to have a mouse as a main character so <laughs>
0: Nicholas, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. I really always enjoy talking to you because you really teach me something new, whether it's fandom or business related. Where can our fans follow you, stalk you? We all know your furry content can be found here at the Game of Nerds website, but where else can fans connect with you?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter at AuthorNiko. So author and, and IKO, just one word. I kind of just tweet whatever on there um i'm a lot less filtered on there than i'm on here (laughs) i mean if you don't want to be bombarded with like topless bunny boobies you don't gotta worry about that i do keep that clean at least um i am on fa also for affinity also as nicolini just one word n-i-k-o-l-i-n-n-i um same kind of deal there and then I do a YouTube channel called Anthro Arcade, and it focuses on arcade games. And I'm supposed to be doing furry games with animal characters, but you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> yep. Um. That was a that, that was a bit of an, a a different thing because like it's a let's play channel, but I had this idea because like you know you got like the Nostalgia Critic and like uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd, and like this was back when like there was all those review shows and you know, how they like their personas. So I'm like, what if we had the personas playing? video games so like the idea is that three of my characters nico tamagi razzle got loose and they decided to make a youtube channel and i'm kind of like their editor slash guy that hurts them together they call me the manager i love so, like, it the, the, the cool thing is if you go to like one of razzle's videos and you leave a comment then i'm going to respond back as razzle or if you go and you leave a comment on a video that nico did then i'm going to comment back to you as nico so it's kind of like That that theme is also alive in like the comments and whatnot.
0: Fans, you have definitely got to check out his YouTube channel. All of these links will be available in the show notes for easy access. If you want to check out more of Nicholas's furry content or the latest nerd news, reviews, and recommendations from video games, books, movies, television, cosplay, and more, go check out thegameofnerds.com. We can also be found on all major social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube as The Game of Nerds. You can subscribe to The Game of Nerds podcast on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcast so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Remember, when you play for the Game of Nerds, you either level up or respawn.